There, you can have this. Here we go. Yours. Two, one. First time we've ever <laughs> okay. This is Monty Soka, chair of the Affordable Housing Advisory Board of the City of Lawrence. Uh, this is our Monday, December 11th meeting. Um, call the uh, meeting to order. I'm going to take roll, and then we're going to have a little, uh, then uh, Leah's going to tell us the rules of engagement for the meeting, and we'll go from there. So I'm going to call the roll. Uh, Christina Gentry. Present. Nicholas Ward. Here. Erica Zimmerman. Here. Phil Engelhart. Here. Sarah Waters. Here. Mark Bueller. Here. Dana Ortiz. Here. Thomas Howe. Present. And I believe that's all that we have here today. Is that correct? Okay. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight present. So I believe that forms a quorum. With that, I am going to turn it over to Leah to talk about uh, oh participation in the meeting today. <laughs> oh, we just had Shannon Aury come in. Shannon, would you say here? Here. <laughs> Thank you. So we have nine at this point. We got room up there. All right, Leah, are you? Okay. We're getting, we'll get arranged. Okay. Get, go ahead. And, <laughs> we'll get in trouble. Let me go ahead and start. Okay. Um, thank you, Mr. Chair, and good morning, everyone. I have a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on City's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you are participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send me a chat. The city reserves the right to mute people or to turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. Now a few notes on public comment. When the chair calls for public comment, individuals attending in person should approach the podium to indicate they wish to speak. The podium can be raised and lowered and we encourage you to use this feature to ensure your comments are heard. Individuals participating via Zoom should use the raise hand function to indicate they wish to speak. Please leave your virtual hand raised until you are called on. Individuals will be called on in the order they appear in the meeting host screen. Please state your name before speaking. All comments will be limited to three minutes. Thank you. And now I'll turn the meeting back over to Mr. Sukup. Thank you, Leah. At this point, we're going to open the floor for public comment. I see no one in the meeting room. Do we have anybody online? Does that look like anybody? Seeing no one online, we're going to close public comment and move on to approving the minutes of the November 13th meeting. So I would uh, entertain a movement. A, movement. a, mo a motion. So move. <laughs> movement. Second. Okay, so we have a motion and a second. Any comments? Seeing none, I'm going to call the roll. Same order we called Roland. Christina Gentry? Yes. Nicholas Ward? Approve. Erica Zimmerman? Approve. Phil Engelhart? Approve. Sarah Waters? Approve. Mark Bueller? Approve. Dana Ortiz? Approve. Thomas Howe? Affirmative. Karen, uh, Shannon Aury? Approve. Monte Sokup? Uh, approved. Motion passes 10 0. 
Okay, going into the regular agenda. The first item we have is to elect the 2024 Affordable Housing Advisory Board Chair and Vice Chair. And Leah, I think we have a couple of nominations on the floor already. Do you have those, Andy? Oh, <laughs> I believe <laughs> um, I believe Nicholas Ward was one of them. For Vice Chair? Yes. I believe, that's and correct. I believe that you were the other one. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> so I was okay. No, that's fine. So we, right now we have myself on as chair. Nicholas has been nominated as vice chair. Are there any other nominations? Self nominations. I would like to. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No. Um, absolutely great job. Continue to be leader. Um, but I would like to nominate Sarah Waters for Ahab chair. Um, Sarah Waters, and I'll just go a little bit about their tenure and their history and why. Um, they've been reappointed to serve a second term ending in 2025. Um, their history with their voting results are consistent with inclusion and equitable practices. Um, they've been instrumental in designing our current 2023 AHAB trust funding NOFO, aiding with the matrix, the rubric, and working with subcommittees with, um, with others, with, with Dana. Um, her absence and abstains are not frequent. And though this is not a really pretty good predictability or indicator of board participation, board members' recusals do not hold um, any kind of real impact with Sarah's participation. Um, so um, her being part of the University of Kansas representing that um, it gives an academic insertion to our AHAB dialogue, which I appreciate. Um, and then I think it's been over five years since there's been a woman holding a chair position in this, in this place. So I think it's about time to kind of change that demographic uh, pattern. So that's my nominee. Uh, Christina, I was not expecting you to do that. Uh, I, I very much appreciate that. Uh, I, 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 my time on this board, I have thoroughly enjoyed and I feel like I'm learning and I'm just working hard to help impact the housing in town and everything going on. Uh, my time is really, really challenging in my full-time job. Um, and so I, I don't feel I can give the chair position justice. I know that the chair often is at the city commission meetings um, and spending time outside of their, um, their other commitments. And Monty has a full-time job too, as have the other folks that have been chair. And so I, I'm gonna need to decline, uh, but I very much appreciate you putting my name forward. Thank you. Any other nominations, comments? All right, then I think we would need a motion uh, from the floor to elect the two people that have been nominated. I would move that we uh, move forward with the slate as presented. Nicholas, good with that? Mm -hmm. Okay, <laughs> he hadn't spoken yet. <laughs> so. sir, sir, are you good with that, not being vice chair? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, I have enjoyed that and just being able to be with, in meetings with Leah and Monty and, and stepping in. Um, and so I will continue to be at this meeting as much as my schedule allows, which is pretty typical. So, but yeah, Nicholas, are you good? Okay. <laughs> All right, and I would say I'm happy to step down at any time. I've, you know? <laughs> And next year is, I will roll off next year. <laughs> and you so will there step will be down a new then. chair following next year's regardless, because I will be rolling off the committee. So after seven years, I think. 
So, um, okay. Any other discussion? I will call the roll. Christina Gentry. Um, I'll, I'll second. I don't oh. Oh, do we have a second? I'll second. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I missed that. I thought you were going to call for it, so I was waiting. You, you were too anxious to <laughs> oh, get elected. <laughs> yeah, I'm so anxious to be elected. I did that. <laughs> Double check. Um, That's my okay, opinion. so we have a, a motion and a second. Yeah. Is there any further discussion? All right, my Robert's rules of order aren't stellar. I'll, I'll grant you that. Okay, seeing that, I'm going to call the vote. Christina Gentry. Yes. Nicholas Ward. Yes. Erica Zimmerman. Yes. Phil Englehart. Yep. Sarah Waters. Yes. Mark Bueller. Yes. Dana Ortiz. Yes. Thomas Howe. Yes. Shannon Ori. Yes. Ori, I'm sorry. And Monty Sokup. Yes. Motion passes 10 0. Congratulations, Nicholas. <laughs> and congratulations, Monty. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks. Okay, item number two, discuss and provide recommendations for the 2023 Affordable Housing Advisory Board annual report to be approved at the February meeting. So I believe that Leah is going to uh, kind of do a quick overview of what we've done in the past and then our role is to make recommendations if we want to see something different, improved, whatever. So I'm, with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Leah. Cool, thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, so on screen is the 2022 annual report, and before I present a 2023 draft annual report to the AHAB for consideration, I was hoping that you all could take a look at what we did last year and just provide any recommendations in terms of additions, things that you don't think need to be there, or any edits. And so I'm happy to sort of scroll through it. Um, if Share your screen so we can. Sure. Watch as you watch. So, um, moving through last year's report, list of board members. Um, this is, I assume this will remain pretty standard, mission, vision, purpose of the AHAB, and the background of why we do the report. We'll do a summary of the main activities for the year, including election, any elections or appointments or member changes. Um, we'll do a summary of 2023 trust fund awards, the applicants and what was awarded, and do some um, short description project overviews of those awards. We will include the home awards as well. Um, and then again, just um, any um, significant activities in terms of policy recommendations, um, committee, uh, committee work, And then um, the goals and the progress that we have made towards our stated goals. Hold on, Leah. Yeah. I'm going to, uh, before you roll on, Yeah. in significant work, I think we should talk about the matrix, the, the change or you know, work we did to the matrix. Okay. 
because I think that was a pretty significant undertaking mm -hmm. that we took. Agreed. Obviously, our other uh, chair or other subcommittee work, we and need to make sure we get that identified, that, you know, what's happened in those subcommittee with the, okay. the two and subcommittees. This is not as good as it used to be, but don't I recall in January or February we re-met and kind of changed some of our goals and kind of updated our goals? Yeah. Right. I think that should maybe be added. Yeah, that was part of the retreat, I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's... So just making sure that gets included, I mean... Okay. Anything else in base? Any additional significant work that you all would like to have included? Of course, in 2023, the source of income non-discrimination ordinance passed, so we'll update right. that. We'll update the CIP request um, and then include the committee work of the NOFO committee. Um, there was a policy committee that was meeting um, for several months in 2023. Um, we will include the work of the AHAB members who have joined the Place for Everyone um, work groups and the work that's been done there, um, as well as the uh, Land Development Code update and subcommittee that was meeting and the recommendations towards that. Yeah, I would say out of our retreat, the two things to highlight are the two added goals mm -hmm. that change, you know, it's not just about housing it's uh, there's the equity piece and making special note of that okay i think it's important too to highlight in some way in the narrative that we had significant conversation about how much like to take the reserve basically and everything yeah um, and so mm -hmm. how much money we decided <clears throat> to put into this year's application process because that resulted in an all-time high of applications and so I just think that that's pretty critical that that was lots of conversation there Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'll be sure to add that I also appreciate the work that the city has done to capture those um, real experiences by placing families in front of cameras to show the mm -hmm. outcomes um, you know so these are not numbers these are individuals and we're understanding what the um, monies have gone or the services that we have all either had some influence in have gone to help families in our community. So maybe making reference to this, how um, I think there's lots of more people involved in watching what City does because mm -hmm. of those videos that you had created with others. Oh, yeah, thank you for reminding me about that, right. Christina. Yeah, <laughs> and thank you for your participation in one of them. That was an incredible video. <clears throat> Anything else before I continue scrolling on? Okay. Okay, thank you for stopping. Um, so yes, in the goals section, I will, um, the updated goals that were determined at the 2023 retreat did start taking place in 2023. So I will update the goals with the new language and progress towards those goals. Um, include an updated um, snapshot of the dashboard. And then 
mentioned this earlier, a summary of the projects that we have funded. And the finances, and that that concludes what we have had in the annual reports in the past. Are there any additional? Is there any additional content that members would like to have included? I know I've made this comment. Uh, Shannon Allery, Housing Authority. I know I made this comment uh, last year, but it might be as we approach the renewal of this that you put a graph, like we said we wanted to create this many rental housing and here's where we are. And here's how many home ownership things we wanted to do and here's where we are. Um, because we need to really start communicating to the community that we've done a significant amount of work um, and achieved many of the goals we've set for ourselves. Um, and if you create something that we can just extract and drop out to show sort of that success, I think we get way ahead of the game. Cool. Um, can I get some additional feedback on that? Um, we have done really well in progress towards rentals, and so that will, um, that in my mind is something to really brag about. <laughs> we have not made such good progress on home ownership units. So what would you suggest? <laughs> Do you suggest including all of that information or maybe creating a page that's like, I don't know, significant progress or significant achievements or something? You know, I'm about being open. Yeah, let's and, show it. And the fact of the matter is, is it's become harder over the course of our work to buy a home. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think that's a bad message to show because we do need to come up with some solutions to that yeah so there's like maybe like a bar graph of some kind or yeah. some that shows you know our progress and then there's narrative to back that up that says you know because of light tech because we've gotten you know six light tech projects to come to this part of the state mm -hmm. you know when there have been 12 in the whole state or whatever those numbers are right because we've been we've far outperformed the whole region on light tech projects so Let's say why, a little bit of why, and then let's talk about how hard it is to do that. The, the subsidies are higher, you know, all the things that make it harder to do that, the, the for sale product. Okay. Well, and, just, and just explain where, where we are, and it's not a solution, but it's being open. And, mm -hmm. the, and the realtors put together a thing, and they'll show you, like, here was mm. what that. Yeah. Right. Price was three years ago, and here's what the price is today, and this is why you can't buy a house, right? Well, I, I think equally important is here's how long it take took to sell a house, uh, you know, five years ago, and here's how long it takes now. Houses sell so quickly that there's, I mean, or they don't come to market. There are yeah, so many different exactly. components to how it. Right. Yeah. And the cost of the homes. I was thinking the same thing. Maybe mm -hmm. if Thomas has a suggestion of something the Board of Realtors always, already has, right? You can, to link there, in yeah, I mean, there's, there's just an affordability to. index exactly. that, you can, that you can talk about. Yeah, because it's you can't find affordable houses in this town. But so. Well, an affordability changed in the last 12 months with interest rates. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. You've ever done the math on if your rate's 3%, you can afford it. $1,500 payment, now it's 6%, all of a sudden $1,500 payment borrows you 
sixty thousand yeah. less. Right. You know, the the mass simple actually, scary but simple. Yeah. Thank you for that okay. suggestion. I'll be sure to incorporate that. Yeah. And and I also appreciate the thought of really trying to. I think. In the past, the annual report has really been used, you know, to report out to city commission and the city manager's office, but to start really utilizing is it a community engagement um, and marketing piece as well? Anything else on the annual report? All right. Well. Um, That's good. Um, the 2023 um, year-end reports are due um, at the, in January from our trust fund recipients, and so I will um, have the first draft finalized in January and send that out to you for further feedback. And if you have any, if anything else comes to mind um, before the next meeting, please feel free to email me and I'll incorporate those as well. Thank you, Mr. Chair. This filling board, just question, when, when is this product gonna be done? I didn't catch the, when, when is this report gonna be complete? Um, it needs to get to the city commission in March. Okay. So we'll see it at our February meeting. Okay, right. the, the last piece that had the discussion about where we're not making progress home ownership wise, I think that is really critical and it has to be cleverly and concisely put together. Uh, not a trivial task, but I think there are people here who, who can do it in four or five sentences. But I, I'd like to see that, that that comes back up here before it makes its way into the final report. Oh yes, absolutely. So I, I will email the draft out to you all for thorough review before the February meeting, and then we'll look through it in February. And last year there were some changes from the first draft into the final draft that I made. And so if needed, it can be approved in March before going to the commission. Okay. Thank you, Leah. Yeah. Thanks, Phil. Anything else on the annual report? Um, Mr. Chairman, uh, Mark Bueller, um, Chamber of Commerce. Um, I think what I've learned uh, in the short time I've been here, uh, this has to do with the report, <laughs> um, is uh, a lot of people in the community, I'm not saying more than half, a lot of people in the community thought we would be um, helping the private sector on home ownership. And um, and some could argue we're not, uh, for all the reasons we've talked about. N not all, sell, few of them we control. Um, that is going to have to be a part of the messaging because people are going to say, it didn't, quote, help me. It didn't help me, a builder in modest price range, or me, a buyer, uh, you know, somebody that's employed and has 2.3 children and you know, goes to our public schools, you, you know what I mean, Mr. Mr. Joe Average. Um, so we have to start, we have to be clear on, on what we're doing and what we're not doing. And um, what we're doing is honorable, but we have to be clear about it because people said, oh, that, that's not what I thought I voted on. 
I, I'm getting that message a lot. Mm. So, um, and I'll, I'll argue with them and I'll do what I can to sell it, but um, they thought it was gonna help the entry level price of housing in Lawrence, Kansas. And that problem's bigger than all of us right now. Um, this is Leah Roseland. I, I, I have really observed, particularly over the last six months, and I would agree with you that there's, I think, some misperceptions or some confusion about even what we mean by affordable mm -hmm. and um, that it would benefit our work to be more explicit and to do more community education and engagement um, on what we mean <laughs> by affordable is subsidized big A affordable for those at 30 to 80% AMI. Um, and as opposed to what might be affordable for the local workforce. Right. Which is also needed, but has not been the purview of this, uh, the trust fund or this board. Okay, thank you. Anything, anyone else? All right. Uh, we'll move on to item three then. Discuss, consider, and re consider request for a letter of support for the City of Lawrence Utility Payment Plan proposed by the Housing Stabilization Collaborative. So um, I guess <laughs> cumulatively, uh, Gabby and Leah and myself kind of worked on a draft letter uh, for this committee to review. Um, and one, to consider whether we want to support this and. That's the first question. And then second question would be, is the letter sufficient? Does it convey what we want to support or is it too much or too little? So I guess I would open up the floor is, you know, to think about, and Gabby is here if we have questions. Uh, the proposal basically, oh, and I see Karen Willie joined us as well. So uh, mark her present. Um, the question is, do we want to support HSC's request to the city, who is actually making the request to the city, this is just be supporting the request, uh, for a utility, uh, it's not a utility assistant, it's really to create payment plans for people that need to spread out their payments over time to, so they don't have peaks and valleys, you know. We all know how our electric bill is and our gas bill and all that, so uh, the idea is to spread that out. So thoughts, I'm gonna open. But yeah, this is Shannon Owry, Housing Authority. Um, I support this. Um, I think what we're seeing with HSC is a transfer of money that we give for rental and utility assistance to the city's utility department. Um, and the problem with not having a payment plan um, is that low-income families are constantly trying to make that calculation of, I have one dollar, I owe three, where am I going to put it? And when they run into any sort of speed bump, right, um, if that amount continues to accumulate, 
they have no way to pay that back. It then is this slippery slope where they're going to HSC and they're saying, I need $2,000, right? That's not something that HSC can do for very many people, right? Mm -hmm. There aren't a lot of other places um, to get those funds. So we have people we issue vouchers to that can't lease up because they owe utilities. So you can't get utilities turned on in a new place. You've sat on our list for two years and we can't lease you up because you can't turn on your utilities. Um, and so I don't advocate not requiring people to pay, but I do advocate methods that allow low-income people to afford it and to make payments and to get back on their feet when they run into issues, right? Because, um, you know, and this, these huge utility bills are, are a brick wall. I mean, they are just a brick wall for some of our participants. They cannot get past it and get into stable housing. Can I ask a question, Ms. Fillinghart? Does Evergy and uh, Black Hills have utility plans or payment plans already in place? Yes. Evergy does. I don't know about Black Hills. So they, so both organizations already have them in place. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mr. Chair, Go ahead, uh, Dana Ortiz has had her hand oh. up, and um, I believe Go, Karen is as well. Thank you. Yeah, the, both uh, the other utilities do have payment plans. Much of what we, in addition to HSC, we work in a stabilization program here at Family Promise. The bills that accumulate, like uh, Shannon was referring to, lead, can lead to a shutoff. If there's a shutoff, there's problem with the voucher. Um, we work with families to budget and build a payment plan and we, and we help them do that with the other utilities and with their landlords. The city of Lawrence is the only place where that option is not available. Okay. <laughs> That's Thank you. you, Dana. Pretty embarrassing. Anyone else? I, Go ahead. It's, this is Sarah Waters. I, am, I mean, I, I fully support this. I also, why can't everybody have this option? So, I mean, if I, you know, like, I've, I loved budget billing anytime I've worked with city utilities. Honestly, because it just helps me control my expenses too. And I don't fit into one of these categories. And so I just, again, I 100% support this and let's make this an option for any person paying city, the city to be able to do the same thing in case unexpected things happen to them that they can't make the payments. And so that'd be my only piece as a consideration, but not doesn't have to go in this because that's not really our purview, but, but you know what I'm saying? Yes. So I'm just I'm putting it on record. Let everybody do this because it just helps you control your costs mm -hmm. and your own budgets. So if there's another side to this, um, it, obviously there's a cost to create a program. Is that what we're asking the city to do? Or Anybody I don't know that know? we're asking the city to do anything. We're supporting we are, someone yeah, else's request. We're sending request. a letter of recommendation. We're, sending, we're saying we're supporting HSC's request. And, and from if, this, if I were the city mm -hmm. and I saw your name on it, I'd say you're asking me to do it. But whatever. Okay. I, I, I get it. And I'm in. But now let's just, what's their problem? Do they have one? The city? Does, yeah, can anybody speak for the city here? Um, it, 
this is Leah Roseland. So Gabby Sprague did speak with the city utility manager and Gabby, do you want to provide sort of a summary of your conversation? It sounds like um, she is in support of the program. And once we hear from Gabby, yeah. Karen's got her hand up, so. Gabby Sprague, uh, Douglas County staff. Um, I did speak with the utility building manager, Christy Webb, and um, she saw issues just with capacity of the utility building department, uh, which is in finance, I think. Um, there, it's difficult to fill the job. Um, she was telling me how some folks don't want to do the job because people get really upset over the phone when calling in. Um, and so there's some concerns that about capacity to even be able to implement something like this. Um, she also shared with me that they haven't done um, shutoffs because they haven't had the staff to accept calls um, about turning services back on. So they haven't, for the last two months, even done shutoffs. They've just provided notices. Um, so I do think, like, I mean, even then, implementing something like this could have the potential for bringing in funds, um, just allowing people to pay a smaller amount where otherwise maybe they wouldn't pay at all. Um, something else I want to mention is that, so in the calendar year to date from January 1st through today, the city of Lawrence has received $47,000 from Douglas County using affordable housing trust funds. Um, so that's about almost 15% of last year's affordable housing trust funds um, funding that was given to the HSC. So I just wanted to share that statistic as well. Karen. Karen. Oh, Karen, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Karen. And Willie, um, yes, I completely support what everybody's uh, the letter and what the, for the reasons that everybody's been talking about. A um, couple of things I want to make sure we update the name of the mayor, um, and it'd be nice to have a conversation from someone on the board to uh, either the mayor or a city commissioner to just make sure that they recognize that this is something that's coming. Just because we are at the city advisory board, and I, I I don't think they'd want it to come as a surprise. I just want to make sure that um, that the letter also comes with kind of a friendly conversation, a, a back and forth. I recognize that just because we want it doesn't mean it will happen, that it has a cost to the city that they'll need to reckon with. But um, I definitely think that this is a tool that has been needed for a long time. Thank you, Karen. Any other comments? I think we're, we're looking like we're gonna move forward with the recommendation. So the next thing is to kind of take a quick look at the letter, if there's some wordsmithing. Obviously we need to get the mayor right. <laughs> this was written when Lisa was still the mayor, by the way. Um, but open to the comments on the letter too, or any other comments the board has. I, this is Christina Gentry. I'm appreciative of two things that we have uh, two board members who are present for this conversation. Both Dana and Shannon spoke very um, highly of this support, whereas when it was brought up to us last time, there was conversation about how uh, the city's interests were to help support this, but we couldn't you know, see ourselves maybe being in the space to recommend at that time. Mm -hmm. So thank you for drafting this letter. Thank you for the um, board members who can speak to the lived experience of those so we can add to this conversation. I think it looks good. Okay. 
All right, then I guess. I would make a motion that we uh, make the recommendation. All right, so we have a motion on the floor. I would second that motion. And a second, any further discussion? All right, I'm gonna call the roll. What, real quick. Oh, um, no, go ahead, Dan. Mr. Go ahead. Chair, it, just the motion as long as we make the changes to the um, names on the letter. <laughs> yeah, we'll edit the letter slightly Thank you. to make the current. Okay, my call roll. All right, Christina Gentry? Yes. Nicholas Ward? Yes. Erica Zimmerman? Yes. Phil Engelhart? Yep. Sarah Waters? Yes. Mark Mueller? Yes. Dana Ortiz? Yes. Thomas Howe? Yes. Karen Willey? Yes. Shannon Owry? Yes. Monty Sokup, yes. 11, motion passes 11 0. Um, so we're going to move forward to that. Leah, would you make sure that the name gets changed and we get that all corrected? Okay, perfect. Okay, on to item. Mr. Four. Chair? Yeah, um, go ahead. Before we move forward, just circling back to um, Karen's comment um, suggesting that somebody on the AHAB speak to the city commission does does that need any further discussion um to close that loop sure i'm happy to do that okay it was was in the <laughs> it was in the lawrence journal world on the front page <laughs> this week last week uh which means that it might be nice to have a conversation yes <laughs> So yeah, I can, uh, I'm happy to. Uh, hey, did you read the journal, journal World the other day? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I still get the paper, so. Um. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll take care of that. Thank you, Monty. Okay, moving on to item four. Uh, review, review, five-year affordable housing advisory board Goal, goals and consider approving strategies for one through three. As you guys would recall, we started with the last two goals and we got through those two goals. So this is a continuation. So uh, we're gonna spend about, we're gonna get as far as we can, but I think we're gonna spend about, till about a quarter after, maybe 20 after, because the next item on the list is gonna take about 15 to 20 minutes. And then we still have some reports to get through, which I'd like to make sure we have time for the report. So I'm just kind of giving you an outline. We may not finish all of this work, so let's just plan on going to like a quarter after and then 30 minutes on the next item and then 15 minutes for the reports and we'll get out of here in the right amount of time. So I'm just giving you a lay of the land. Okay. Uh, Leah, you want to... Oh, you already got it up. Yeah. Way ahead of me. Okay. So we're looking at, I think we'll start at goal three, okay. uh, since we've been working backwards. And uh, so this is increased accessibility for persons with disabilities through the rehabilitation and creation of, things covered up there. <laughs> Visitable housing. <laughs> yeah. But it's covered to, up? Well, my, it's covered up with the, I need to, change my layout here. Okay. So proposed strategies are utilize affordable housing trust funds to expand the installation 
uh, <laughs> of accessible modifications for qualified households. So anybody have a concern with that strategy? Well, the challenge that I would have there is that all qualified, it's not just too qualified, it's to all qualified housing units. And that would be a, that a wonderful objective, but uh, I'm not sure that that's, I mean, you, Feasible. We, one thing says 25 in the next four years, one says all, which one are we going with? Um, Nicholas with Tenants to Homeowners. Um, the output goal of 25 households over a period of five years, does that seem low to anyone? Yes. Well, obviously does to you. Well, I mean, I only ask that because I think we have three organizations potentially that are doing work towards that goal, at least as a part of their mission or work through programs that they administer. And I, I think potentially, especially if we're allocating funding towards that end, that that number could be increased. Erica, do you have any thoughts on that? I was trying to look back at uh, what our original goal was mm -hmm. to see where we were currently on that goal. It seems very low, but in the scheme of all the other goals that we have, I wonder if we keep it at that level. So that we meet and surpass the goal versus not meeting the goal? Yeah, and so. allow room for some other increase in other types of units or... So I think if you look at the... The one, I know on different years we've had multiple groups funded, but like this year, we, I think we only funded one. And I think if I recall, they were doing like six to eight a year with the funding. So if you take yeah. so that's six right, times that's right in target. five is 20, is 30. We're not too far off if we- Yeah, but that's one organization. That's one organization. Yeah, and if the other two come in, that's- Right, we would exceed that. But yeah. Help me, remind me what, what fixing one costs us. Because it varies it wildly because one might, be a, one might be a grab bar in a shower and the other one might be a 45 foot ramp. Yeah. So it just so, depends on yeah. what the need is or widening a doorway. Anywhere from 40 yeah. to about 25,000. Yeah. From $40 to 25,000. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a ton of help. Thank that's you. about what hours run. About I know. <laughs> that's from a grab bar to a yeah. ramp. This is, yeah. I, I might be able to add. Uh, yeah. so, uh, this is Leah Roslin. Um, so tr traditionally, uh, so I'm going to give a couple points for context. The output put goal of 25 households in five years is the same as in the previous five years. This output goal was um, set uh, via the recommendation in the Lawrence housing market analysis. Um, so that's how we sort of established this. And we. this is about what has been happening. Um, last year, or in 2023, the Senior Resource Center had uh, been awarded trust funds for their accessible safe housing for seniors program which added some capacity to meet this goal but other than that historically it has only been Independence Inc and while there are other organizations that do the sorts of programming um, Independence Inc currently and previously except for that one year is the organization who has received trust funds for this program and so 
that's not to say that there aren't more happening in the community, but the AHAB can't report out uh, right progress on um, uh, programs that we did not support. Um, the it, historically Independence Inc has received fifty thousand a year, and they have done about five to six households per year, so averaging uh, eight to twelve thousand dollars trust fund subsidy per household. So, from my perspective, it sounds like we're in the right ballpark. Yeah, the, the one it's not aspirational. But no, <laughs> the one thing I was going to add is that um, oftentimes, like if we're doing a rehabilitation of a home at tenants to homeowners, even though the funding that we have that we have requested is not specific to accessibility modifications, we might be implementing those um, at, in the scope of the project, and that, um, but maybe we're not reporting on that or being asked to report on that because it wasn't a direct funding application, and so. Um, and all of this is specific to how funding is allocated versus just how many units are receiving those improvements in the community. Is that correct? Or Well, it's how it's reported out. So you're right. If we asked for that and it was reported, then we could certainly include it in our accomplishment. So if that was one more line of inquiry within all the reports for next year, we might get an additional five or six um, units that just that was done, um, but it wasn't necessarily the funding was applied for it. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to come bring us back to all qualified households. Should we strike the word all? I think we should strike the word all. I agree. I think I'm agree. I agree yeah, with that. It's to qualified households. And it's to, yeah. It's not an entitlement program. We don't have enough. Right. Okay. <laughs> Money. Okay. Uh, Next strategy, provide grants to retrofit existing units for private property owners who agree to keep their units available for a period of time. I, I have a problem with for a period of time. I mean, I think we should probably say no less than X years, right? Because I don't know about the program that Danny Walters groups run and what that requirement is but I mean I, I there would be a limit to how much money I would be interested in giving somebody if they were going to just make it affordable for one year I'm confused by the available is it supposed to be available or affordable well assuming it would be affordable but we should probably include yeah. that um, <laughs> I don't know what available means. Yeah. Well, so it's a private person. They're going to rent it. Maybe they're going to rent it to a disabled individual. They need to retrofit it. They're asking for money to do so. And then keep it available for a family <coughs> for a period of time? Yeah. Okay. Like As opposed to keeping it affordable. So only lease it to someone who needed the modification? Right. Is it fairly affordable? Yeah. Well, I don't want to do anything that's not affordable. <laughs> right? Right. This is a, right. This is a, I mean, that's it's a troublesome strategy in the sense that you could have a person that's doing it for themselves to stay in their home. Right. Right. And they might stay there 15 years. It's not available to someone else. Right. Um, Nicholas Ward, tenants. Yeah, they have a this program, so you tell us how that yeah. works. Well, I was thinking, yeah, with our ARM program, we did some kind of um, 
mental math on how to approach something like that. And we had additional goals outside of what this is, is stating. Um, but when we came up with our end kind of ratio, we looked at at least a three to one ratio for the amount we received back in affordability over the amount that we put into the unit. And so if we're putting $5,000 into a unit to provide a new system um, that would decrease energy costs or something like that, then we're looking for $15,000 worth of affordability received and reduced rents. So um, in the ARM program, that's what we do. And then as a byproduct, we end up purchasing most of those units from the market. But um, if there's some ratio that it ha it can't just be that we're subsidizing somebody improving their house for a hot minute and then it just goes back to market rate. Is this for a homeowner or is this for mm -hmm. a landlord? This is, this is specifically, it benefits both, but it would be a homeowner who is um, acting as a landlord. Realize that. I don't think it's for someone who owns and lives within there is the tenant of their own unit. Okay. okay. So that wasn't clear. That wasn't clear to me. Is that is that how it's understood? That's how I understood it. I've never understood. <laughs> maybe be stated in the strategy. Yeah, maybe it's existing rental units or something. Mm-hmm. So let, let, let this fill in order again. Let, let me be clear on what, what it is. Can, Nicholas, can you say that again? I just want to understand it. You're saying <coughs> the funds are going to do, are going to who to do what? Give, give me an example. <laughs> yeah. Okay. In the, and Leah, please correct me if I'm um, wrong. Or did, Leah, do you want to just explain the, the function of this? Is it that it would go to the property owner in agreement that they would rent affordably for a period of time and it improves their asset? It, it, this could be either. Um, as, a, as has been discussed, it is extremely vague and this is another recommendation that was taken out of the housing market study um, for accessibility. And so if there are parameters, I would really encourage the AHAB to be specific. As it is now, it, yeah, private property owners, and that could be owner-occupied, and they are living in that unit, and they agree uh, there's some income qualification um, for the property owner um, so that they would be eligible for the program and the modifications, or if it's a landlord, that there would need to be some agreement around affordability and maintaining affordability for a certain length of time. Okay. So, so to me, it sounds like we need two two bullets, one for land, self-occupied, and one for rental, you know, landlord situation. Maybe there's two different and I, and I need color on finishing the example. I know it's theoretical, but what I own a home, and I'm applying for what to do what to promise you back what? It, it, so is, I think what he's saying is... Retrofit your home to make it accessible. It's not a new heat and air system to save on utility bills, or is it? It's to this, widening you know, doorways. It's for accessibility. To, okay, that I get. To alleviating trip and ADA fall stuff. hazards. ADA yeah. stuff. It's the yeah. same thing Independence Inc. is going in and doing, but it's allowing the individual property owner to do it themselves, potentially maybe with their own contractor. That's how I look at it. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. the same type of process Project. yeah so you know so you you're not mobile enough to do stairs anymore you need a ramp ramps are expensive right. and yeah. so um so that's how i look at it and i'm wondering if we need to put something with 
the AMI of the human that's requesting this if we're going to allow this to move forward. That's right. how I would think about it. I agree. Well, and I think bullet point one addresses people who own their own home and need to fix their own home. So that bullet number two needs to be really clear that it's rental units. I see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you'd have like, maybe this would say provide grants to retrofit existing affordable units for private property owners who would agree to keep the units affordable and available for rent for rent for disabled incomes and whatever, whatever, whatever. Right. For a period of five years, 10 years, whatever you do. Right. Something like mm -hmm. that. That would just put a little more better clamps on that. Or through the person who's currently leasing it. I would be reluctant to put in an actual number. Yeah. I mean, of is, years? Is, yes, isn't it a case by case? I don't know who's administering these programs or anything else, but isn't it a case by case situation? I, I do agree with you. Or So an appropriate share. period of time is what you're saying. <laughs> For an agreed upon period agreed of time. Agreed upon. Uh, I, like, I like Nicholas's thing, which is if, I, if we give you five thousand dollars then we want affordable rent for versus fifteen thousand dollars so if you're if you own a rental unit you know what your rent is when you apply and you have to tell us that right and then we calculate okay that's great we'll fix this we'll do all these things but you have to continue to rent it at that for however long that three to one ratio works out. So for $15,000 worth of rent. And so there's a, is that, am I capturing kind of what you're saying? Yeah, this is Nicholas. Um, yeah, just to clarify. So that's just the, the model that we came up with as an organization and versus, you know, because a, a property owner still needs to receive, of course, their rent, they incur costs and everything. And so the way that we did it is we scheduled it out over a number of years for, to what we seem was palatable and in conversation with the owner. So we said, instead of like, there's no rent for one year, we said, we're decreasing rent by $150 for a period of five years. And that equals the three to one ratio. And that seemed to be what worked for the clientele we were working with. Um, but I don't know if that's exactly what this body would want to define or implement, but that's just an example of um, what seemed to work for our program. Karen. Go ahead, and then I got Dana, so go ahead, Karen. I, I did throw a suggestion in the chat, not tied to any of those pieces, just wanted to uh, say that out loud, um, just trying to capture some of the things that were being said. I think the intention is to keep people in a home that they uh, can, could otherwise live in, could otherwise afford, but they will not be able to stay there and be safe. Um, at any price point without this modification. So I, I think the affordables may be kind of already covered and the fact that we're Ahab and we get to uh, value that, um, I, I think it's kind of implicit. But I think the main thing is we want, we want those improvements to be made and we want that to be an investment that stays in the rental market. So I just put some suggestions up there for discussion. Along those same lines, Dana Ortiz, Family Promise of Lawrence, um, I understand the discussion about the calculation and the rent affordable at a certain dollar amount and such, but I don't know how we would possibly, who in the city would possibly track that. 
Um, it's one thing for an organization who's investing in some properties to do that, but it's another thing at a city level. So I'm not sure. I, I, I like, of course, the idea of this and that it allows for more units to be safe for people to live there. And I think that what Karen said, the affordability is implied somewhat. I mean, we need some language there, but I, I don't know the details of that. We couldn't track it as is, so I'm not sure putting words in there that we wouldn't track to makes any sense. Nicholas Ward, real quick with tenants to homeowners. Um, that the second bullet point that we're discussing right now, um, we went over bullet point one and it sounds like maybe with a shift of language, but we're in full agreement to that. If we're adequately funding and imbuing um, the, the groups that are already providing this, uh, this work affordably, um, do we need bullet point two? Um, and that way you already have someone where it's being administered through groups that are already checking for affordability and they have some kind of metrics for that. Do we need to be making outside individual grants uh, through another process with a different level of oversight? Um, that's just a question for discussion. That is great. Because we don't currently allow individuals to apply to trust housing trust funds. So Yeah, and how would you rate them in the matrix? Yeah. Right. I don't even I mean, yeah. and why would we have it as a goal if we're never going to figure out how to fund it? Yeah. We need to keep subbing everything out like we're doing. <laughs> right. As opposed to being the general. Right, <clears throat> right. Yeah. So does any... Based on that, does anybody have any recommended language for that second bullet point, or do we think we should eliminate it? I think we should eliminate it. I don't have any problems eliminating it, but, but I'm still fuzzy on homeowners applying for accessibility modifications versus well, private property owners applying for, excessive, for accessibility modifications for rental properties. I, I, I mean... I'm all in support of the goal. I just want to be clear on where it fits in these bullets. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm confused. So, so I think this is Sarah Waters. I think that's a clarification. I'm thinking also of what Mark said earlier about what people think this trust fund does. Because, and I, I think we've seen an example as well of what, what people think this trust fund does. It was related, I think, in some ways to this bullet. Though it's the single individual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, because again, for some people, they need those modifications and their income is fixed and low and they are going to have to move if they can't get it. Again, the ramp is the best example, right? A shower, a bathroom you can get into. Um, so I think that I, I am supportive of, of removing this bullet because I think it does get captured in the first bullet. Okay. But I also think that this is getting back to the individual homeowner, potentially. This person's already in a home, but just trying to stay in the home so they don't have to leave and try to find something where you can't find it easily in the market. Or we would need to work with an organization such as Independence Inc., such as Tenants to Homeowners, to build out their process for individuals in this category so that they might have a separate bucket of funds, right? Um, yeah. And the senior the policy or yeah. senior, yeah, senior. I mean, yeah. so perhaps for that example, what what we would ask staff to do is refer them to one of these programs, programs. that we right. already yes. fund, right? So if we're doing Independence Inc, 
and the senior center, whoever needs a ramp. That's where you go. You go, yeah. you you go, go here. Yeah. Right. They're getting their funding, their base funding from us. And they're then distributing the funds and doing the work. Yeah. Right. And it's up to that organization to determine that the affordable and the period of time. Correct. And all of those other policies. Right. Yeah. And it's has theirs. Yeah. Habitat might okay. borrow that. So that would lead us, lead me yeah. at least, to the idea of, as suggested, eliminating the second bullet. Yeah. Agreed. Altogether. Agreed. Okay. I think we're, I'm seeing some head nodding. Okay. I'm not seeing anybody jumping up and down. Okay. So we're going to eliminate the second bullet onto the third. Well, what's, what's the advantage of this? Well, I think that gets to the new construction because our goal is to, uh, through rehabilitation and the creation of accessible housing. So I think that probably actually, in my eyes, falls more to us as we review grant applications. If there are accessible units, then they should get additional Waiting. consideration. Waiting. That's where I think that's trying to go. Or that's where I would think it tries Again, to go. Again, this isn't for me that calls you and says, I'm going to build a fourplex. I'm Mark Buer. I'm going to build a fourplex. I'm going to live in one of them, and I'm going to make them accessible. Give me money. That's not how this works. Right? No, but if you're a grant applicant okay. building affordable Again, housing. We're subbing this out. Well, if you're coming to this board with an application to build a fourplex, an affordable fourplex, to me, if you, if you have accessibility, that elevates the score of your project. Well, I guess I would say I don't think we should fund anybody who's not going to who's coming to get money to build affordable units who are not going to build them accessibly. And all of the low income tax credit has to build towards the ADA standard. Mm -hmm. I mean, any money all the ARPA funds you've got to build for it, this four unit that is HUD's standard like if you build four or less you don't. But I don't I mean, I think if you're coming to us to ask to build two, three, four units, mm -hmm. that Indeed. should be in our agreement. Right. Hey, Some two of them, of them have to be accessible, or all of them have to be. And that's what I think you want represented here. Yeah. So that if you're going to come to us, there's an expectation that we're going to ask that they be accessible. Where well, you, this is saying say, providing yeah. incentives. Yeah. And so I think what they're what they're going to well, come and they're going to say, "Hey, I need yeah, what's up? What am I getting? I need five hundred thousand to build four units, and I need another fifty to make the doors wider." This right? is Leah I Roseland. mean, which is so which is Karen crazy. Has Karen has her hand up. Let's let Karen yeah. jump in here. Um, I just wanted to circle back to the grant application language we used around universal design, and that that was an expectation that. Um, all or most of the units that are coming to us for funding be part of universal design, um, which may not be full date ADA, but certainly get towards, I think, this goal. So just throw that in for the rest of the conversation. This is Leah Roseland. So what I hear is perhaps a change to require all trust funds supported new units or something to have either accessibility, ADA, or universal design. So instead of incentives, it would be a requirement. But 
But you don't mean 100 yeah. percent of the units. Where where did the four unit thing come in, Shannon? It's just an example. No, of, well, but, it's no, in, no, yeah, it's but but, but HUD basically has a requirement that anytime you build more than that, you have to, right? If you're using and so below that, you don't have to. That's the oh, that that that's why the four yeah. is in is it? There. I mean, Less I'm assuming four. that is where that, that came from. Okay, but that's it, what they're trying to get at is that yeah. HUD doesn't require. Therefore, we should. Okay. And is it four or fewer, or yes. three, yeah. two, or one? No, it's four. This is four or less. Or, or this says fewer, fewer than four, than four so this, oh, that needs to be rewarded yeah. then, to say four or fewer, because you can do four right. on that. So okay. it's just a, it's just like a rewording, the, so. I almost like switching to something that says, when we're going to provide trust funds, that we're going to have an accessibility requirement. Okay. Of that some kind. Doesn't mean 100% of everything. Doesn't mean 100% of everything, but right. there's going to be, an, we're going to have an accessibility okay. request, or you're going to get a higher score if you have accessibility. I got it. We should I'll be in. Fine. We should be trying to generate right. accessibility in new units. Mm -hmm. Nicholas Ward is tenants to homeowners. I know even in, in the work we do, if we do something that's like a, a single house that's two stories. We have to deem it visitable versus fully accessible because, of course, someone with mobility limitations couldn't get to the second floor. And I think in anything less than, like, you're getting up into, like, a six-unit building or something, the consideration of putting in an elevator is cost prohibitive. And so the visitable part, I think, is really important to – and it's in here as the in the heading um, – but I think the visitable just means someone with mobility restrictions could access the building, but maybe they can't get to the upstairs bedroom or the upstairs right. bathroom. But there's, yeah. So I think that that's worded well in here. I think that's really critical too, Nicholas. This is Sarah Waters, because one of our applications, I don't think it was this round, it was the last one, called it senior housing, 55 and older, mm -hmm. and it was two-story housing, which was just interesting, and I get it. A lot of people are still mobile, but then you're not. And so, um, so I think maybe we need to educate ourselves some and have some different people come in over this next, I don't know, certain meetings so that we learn more about that in case we want to change the matrix to give us, to give additional points on something related to, you know, single, single floor versus stacked. And I know, you know, building two floors often is more economical when the footprint is small. So, mm -hmm. so I, I'm basically, I'm asking, let's educate ourselves a little bit more on building because there's different ways to do ADA. Um, and you know, just a bedroom on the ground floor, sure, all those pieces, but that so we might change the matrix in the next trust fund cycle to give benefit, if this is one of our emphasis goals or something like that, to a project. Well, and, and to go along with Sarah's point, which is excellent, I mean, one of the big wins we've had is the, is the density bonus. Well, the only way that can work a lot of times is that it's a two-story situation. And so I, I don't want to take away with one hand what we fought for with the other. Um, so we, so it shouldn't be all. This is Christina Gentry. I, I want to go back to what Karen Wiley uh, pointed out because um, inside of the universal design is embedded things that are high reaching and then lower reaching. Uh, literally lower reaching, like having le le lever door handles for people who don't have poor arm strength. 
um, to lights for people with poor vision. So the, the examples in that universal design could be something that we embed into this framework of this goal as well so that we're not talking about just having a one-story living. We're talking about the inclusion of these accessibility or visibility items within each of the structures of the housing. And I think understanding that, again, back to just educating ourselves, because, again, universal design is great, and you can't have stuff mounted on a wall above a certain point because somebody using a wheelchair can't reach it. And for a lot of people, they're like, but this is wasted space, you know, because I'm able-bodied now, and I can stand, and I want, I want a shelf here. I want cabinets here. And so understanding that and how we balance that, um, just in our own understanding in terms of trust fund applications, I think would be pretty critical. So we got... Four minutes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How do we want to wrap up this? Does anybody have a proposed language? One goal. Proposed language for the second bullet point that kind of captures this conversation here. Well, maybe we say instead of incentives, we say, you know, provide points or provide, right? I mean, something where we're saying, hey, we're going to reflect in our matrix that if all four of these are fully handicap accessible, you get more points than if two of them are? Give consideration to something yeah. there. Uh, Nicholas Ward, Tenants to Homeowners, accessibility features seems a little broad too, because as we were talking about before, anything from a grab bar to a ramp and a wider uh, doorway, so what qualifies a feature and maybe we need to it's just that the unit itself is accessible or visitable versus having features maybe that's embedded accessibility or something like that that mm -hmm. I don't we're waffling between the details and yeah. what we can push down here so Leah do you think you have enough to capture something to come back and we can spend five <laughs> minutes on it <laughs> this is leah roseland I, I, I think so i mean the reality is is that you all included that in the last nofo and application that's already a part of the matrix right. that app projects receive additional points for specific accessibility features that are noted to wrap around that so if you could do that okay. next time we come we'll, we'll try to spend like three minutes on this <laughs> well, to just it, it, kind of approve or are you build, I wish we had a builder on our group we used to um, to help us understand this because I care about money um, right you know this matters like you you raise the point on everybody needs stuff right here yep that everybody I mean you need a chair going into a bathroom but you've got a whole turning radius thing and that's a right. lot of square footage for most people when you yep. when you go into building yep. um, well, and there's a lot of difference between building a fully ADA bathroom yeah, and yeah. one that someone can... And a visitable. And a visitable, and a visitable, visitable exactly. It Universal meets 90% yeah. of the needs right. or whatever. So we need both because there's a, there's a cost, you know, benefit. Yeah. Right. You know. And Habitat and tenants are builders. So. Yeah. I'm sorry? We're builders also. Habitat and tenants are builders. Both builders, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, <clears throat> Leah, once you've put languaging together, instead of waiting till the next meeting, will you send this out to us so that we can all, maybe we can do it by email, you know, before we sit down together? 
Because it looks like it's going to be February yeah. before we. Right. And is that not um, in any, I guess, uh, discretion against Como? Como no, it's so not. We can, we can talk email about As long that. as we're not voting on anything or going back and forth. All she's doing is sending it. Information. Information. information no one should review. respond Making to sure. it. <laughs> right, right. Just covering all of those. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Chair, Karen yes. has her hand raised. Karen has her hand raised. Oh, I'm sorry, Karen. I'm, everybody, I've, I appreciate everybody helping me with that because I am horrible at it. Sorry, Karen, go. Not a problem. It's hard. Uh, just really briefly, if, if the group has an interest, I'm sending to Leah the bio of the uh, technical assistance um, person for ADA and uh, universal design that we've used in, in Baldwin. She doesn't qualify for AHAB uh, funding, so you probably haven't heard of us, uh, but he is with the Great Plains ADA Center, and he's been uh, really great to work with. It would, if, if possible, maybe he could come and speak to the group and part of that education part that Sarah was talking about. Great. Okay. Good. Thank you, Karen. All right. I am going to move us on to the next item. Uh, and we have two more, two more strategies to review, probably, and you'll probably see this in February. Uh, okay, discuss tenant right to purchase as potential policy recommendation strategy for increasing equitable access to safe and affordable housing. Um, let's turn that over to Leah to talk about here. Well, uh, this is Leah Roslin. Um, this was a strategy that um, is recommended by PolicyLink as linked in the agenda and has been enacted uh, by various um, municipalities across the United States. I had sent this to Erica and Christina um, as a part of the work that we're doing for um, uh, for the a place for everyone community plan to end homelessness, um, and then Christina had encouraged and um, suggested that it be placed on the AHAB agenda for the AHAB to potentially consider uh, to make a recommendation to the city commission to consider. And so at this point. Um, it, Erica and Christina might might want to speak on it. I don't have a ton of additional information other than what's on the agenda. If the AHAB was interested in pursuing this, then I would suggest that the first step would be to start with some additional research. And I'll just go ahead and speak up. Uh, this is Christina Gentry. Uh, I feel like my um, insertion into this um, policy link intended and community opportunity to purchase um, was an opportunity for us to explore policies. Um, we have um, done some great actions or there's been you know, some inaction taken with the source of income. That was a kind of a long time conversation uh, in this board and so it came to its finality um, but it was a continual. So this could be a start of a conversation that we continue um, just to look those things over, look at policy link if you don't have the connections to that or receive any updates for webinars and other series they have ongoing as it reflects housing and tenant um, and community opportunities um, throughout the gamut of, of what housing can create and what housing policies can create for tenants and for owners. 
Um, so I just thought that maybe this is something for us to consider to look at to be continued discussion. Erica Zimmerman, Lawrence Habitat. I would completely agree with Christina. I think there's a lot of research that still needs to be done. I think there are some groups that are already um, convening and that this could fit really nicely into that's already doing some other research work. Um, and I would um, be all for um, moving this forward in the sense that we really take a look at it as a policy standpoint. So this is Shannon Alry, <clears throat> the Housing Authority. Um, I, I, I have no issue with looking at it, but I will say when we did the source of income, the landlord's voice was not allowed to participate until it was already drafted and through. And as somebody who sat in all those meetings and basically took all the heat from the landlords, that if this is going to be explored, then we need to contact some landlords and have them involved from the beginning rather than we're doing something else to them. Because quite frankly, I can use no vouchers without a participating landlord. And the biggest bundle of affordable housing we have are the 850 vouchers that the housing authority uses in the community. And, and our landlords need to be our partners. And so that is my only sort of caveat is that from the beginning, somebody from the landlord group needs to be included in the conversation because we got into a real them versus us right. thing and it has been very difficult for us to deal with um, because they felt like they were on the back side of the conversation, not included in the front side. This is Phil Englert. I, I completely agree with you, Shannon. I, I would say that I looked at the, at the stuff that, that Leah forwarded the links and I don't know anything about these specific things, but in doing research on mobile home parks, what, what I found out was that, that ROCs, resident-owned communities, they have to have state-enabling legislation, okay, in order to, you know, to put into place, you know, that, that, that clock that says, hey, I own a mobile home park and I'm gonna sell it, you know? And then you have 90 days the state of New Hampshire said, you know, if you can come up with the cash in 90 days, we'll help you, okay, and we'll buy this, together we'll buy this mobile home. <clears throat> I mean, so that's how it works for mobile homes anyhow. Yeah. Mr. Chairman? Yeah. Um, I was a, I technically am a real estate broker, but I was a real estate, a practicing real estate broker for 22 years, and um, every um, option to uh, first right of refusal, every, every first right of refusal transaction I was ever involved in, and there weren't a lot, but I can tell you they were a mess. Um, theoretically what it does, it says, owner, you have all these rights, all these rights under the law, and so go do what you want to do and then let somebody approve it. It's kind of how it works. 
You know, go, go, go take care of yourself and then see if somebody else can match it. And, um, and it's a challenge. Um, and seldom do they work, seldom did they work as anticipated. Meaning even the seller that gave the first right of refusal to the neighbor or the uncle or whatever, you know, did it, did it willingly and with all the, it, it always got bunged up. And, um, and then the other caveat is that, is that the seller isn't willingly giving that. It's being <laughs> placed on them. And um, so, and, and then as I read the exceptions, you know, everybody says, well, but there's exceptions. The, the, yeah, um, there are lots of exceptions in some of this. I think this is Baltimore I'm trying to read. Um, uh, and so therefore there's holes in all this. You know, you can say I'm selling it to my daughter and I'm really not. And it, it's, um, I understand the intent. Um, uh, the examples I've heard about have to do with mobile homes and um, collectives in big cities, you know, New York, Boston, places like that where people have been tenants for generations. And, um, and then, of course, here comes the big bad developer. So, um, so there, there's a time and a place for them. But I think in a community with the lack of density that we have in terms of, uh, anyway, I... I see challenges here, lots of them. Uh, Nicholas Ward of Tenants to Homeowners. I was just going to offer that we've utilized this Tenants to Homeowners through the ARM program as part of our, what we're doing is... I'm sorry, Nick, ARM program means... The Affordable Rental Management. It's when we, um, we applied to AHAB for this at one point, but we'll work with a homeowner who has a property that's um, vacant or in need of significant repairs who maybe isn't able to financially make those repairs themselves, so that's part of the reason it's vacant. We acquire funding, we make those repairs. In the cases where we've done it, it's been right around $40,000 worth of repairs, and then that's where we seek um, diminished rents uh, for a period of time for that three to one ratio. In addition to that, we have asked for first right of refusal, um, and in all circumstances, we've ended up purchasing the property before that five-year term is up. Um, I think we could ask this when we're providing funding to projects, kind of, and you know, one of the outcomes is just that we don't have a mechanism to have the money to purchase something, and people can move on. But we become aware of opportunities to purchase properties based on the fact that we've provided some funding at some point in our tenure as the the fund, and so. Um, I don't know that that causes any harm to the ownership entities, but it does create an opportunity for for Ahab and for affordable housing in this community. Uh, this is one of those things where the devil's in the details. Mm -hmm. um, and getting those figured out, you know, on an individual basis. So I don't, <laughs> I think it's worth exploring and I'm, I'm kind of with, Nicholas here, if we provided funding to a project, let's you know, we provided a million dollars of funding, we ought to almost try to figure out how we would be treated as equity investor to where we would realize that on the back end if the property sold, and that might be a ROFO instead of ROFER, 
so that you have an agreed to way of of uh, determining a sale price and all of that and you have the opportunity to make an offer on that opportunity not a rofer i don't know if everybody understands rofer but you go out and negotiate a deal and then it can get swept out from underneath you and nobody no seller wants that you essentially almost make it hard impossible to sell a property because nobody will give you nobody's going to go out and negotiate a deal with you knowing they can get swept out from them because you're going to invest money in, in in creating the deal so a rofer is a rofo is a much better vehicle but again that you were getting down into the details and the nitty-gritty of how the sausage is made i think this is my opinion it's worth exploring you know what they did in new hampshire or wherever may not work for us but uh, i think it's worth exploring and also make up money so yeah. Monty, Shannon Lowry, Housing Authority, are you thinking about, I mean, I like this, uh, but I mean, on those tax credit deals, I mean, at the end of the 30 year, if the city had an option to buy, that would be. Right. But I, but I agree, kind of similarly, I mean, that's very different than really than what, what this, this is, is yeah. but. But I do think that is something we should really explore, which is if the developer is going to sell it, that the, that the city gets the first option. Yeah. I mean, assuming First opportunity to buy it. Yeah. Maybe assuming that there's mm -hmm. still a trust fund that far in the future, but. Right. And we have the years. money. I mean, you may, the city may not have the money at that time, and then right. it's a moot point, right? But you have the opportunity. Is is the in, in your example? Mm -hmm. Is the city the ent the the person the entity? Mm -hmm. So, so let's finish this. So well, the city would have the city has the development agreement with the developers. It. So it's going to be a run through the city whether the city can actually purchase or not. I understand city okay. tax dollars, city agreement, city's the entity. Right. So uh, 50, we always talk about leverage here. So I'm going to go get a half a million dollars on a what a twenty million dollar project. 15, 10, mm -hmm. so for 10%, 5% of the deal, I have to bring it back to them in the future at a market rate, I assume. I mean, yeah, yeah I think you'd have I mean, to, I, if you want to really have a ROFO that's executable, yeah. like you're talking about, yeah. you need, you've got to establish how the price is determined, everybody up front. You know, you get three appraisals and you pick the average or however you do that, right? But you've got to establish that so that it's not skewed one way or the other at the end. You know, I understand. I understand. Right? A, a way to seek value. A way to seek the value at a, something everybody agrees to. Um, real quick, Nick. Nicholas Ward, tenants to homeowners. I mean, we're talking about it on on that level where it's the the city making that acquisition right. in these bigger projects. I think from reading this, one of the other intentions is somebody who rents a single family home and um, it's going to be sold and they've been a tenant there for seven years and then maybe they don't have the the cash on hand to make that acquisition but if they had first right of refusal could they come to um, Ahab out of session or could they come to the city or could they come to like tenants to homeowners and say look I have first right of refusal on this property would, would you be willing to um, help me finance this knowing that it's going to go forward and be permanently affordable and that's that's the other level that I see this operating at, and I think that's that would also be pretty great. It might not always be executable, but it's a great opportunity. 
That, yeah. <clears throat> so I think what we're trying to do today is, is this worth exploring more? That's the question, and I think, I believe, is that correct, Leah, would you agree with that? Yes, if the AHAP okay. is um, interested in further exploring it and how you all would like to see that come back, if it's a committee, come back to the full board, sort of the process for doing so. And so this is Christina Gentry. I am understanding our capacity um, and we have two member, well, two vacant spots on our board. So to create a committee uh, or subcommittee, and our existing subcommittees are already still grinding, um, I, would, I would make a uh, recommendation that we place parts and pieces, especially the examples that were given um, in the space right now talking about this opportunity that we get as an agenda item and just kind of you review it um, you know, with 10 or 15 minutes, coming back with some plans, some ideas. Um, we have got a great plethora of information coming from this board. I know we might be leaving or losing some um, valuable expertise, but I just feel like this is a continued conversation. Because if we do remember, uh, it, it was two years ago where our city man, no, our, our lawyer um, said that source of income was not a, something, a possibility for Lawrence. So I just wanted to make that to be a known, that even though we're sitting with a lot of um, to be considered, um, one of the considerations was, was like a roadblock uh, at one point and couldn't be done in Lawrence, um, but we're doing that. So I just wanted to make sure that that was something um, that we can continue talking and discussing as a board, as a whole. I, I wonder if this would be, and Christina, maybe pose this question to you as well. So, like I mentioned, there's a couple groups that are working on some other housing practices uh, when it comes to restorative housing practices. I just wonder if that group would be a body where we could do some research, put some what ifs, put some other information together for this body to look at and mull over and read, and then they could send us back maybe with some other steps that they would like to see. Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, and Erica, would you have a particular body that you think would use this in and come back to the board in a broader sense? I do, and I was gonna report on it out on it here in just a minute when we talked about the equity and inclusion work group. There's an an equity and inclusion work group, and there's a um, affordable housing plan work group that are gonna mesh together to work on some housing practices. Um, so I wonder if that group might be uh, the best place to put that, for that to land for right now for the research piece. Leah, do you have thoughts on that? This is Leah Roseland. Yeah, I, I, that sounds like a great process to me. It's in alignment with that, with the work that that group is doing. And it has members of this body included in that. Okay, does anybody disagree with that? I'm, I don't think we have to have a motion or anything to push it there, but does anybody disagree with that kind of process? Looking online here. Once in a while, I look online. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then uh, I guess the recommendation out of this meeting today is to push that to that group. 
push the topic to that group to come up with some ideas to bring back to this group to kind of vet uh, things that maybe are applicable in Lawrence. Okay. Wow. Got back 10 minutes on that one. So, okay. Goal number Another two. Another goal? Yeah, how are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get through... Uh, uh, let's get through our updates because I want to. We sometimes we end up shortchanging our updates. And I hate doing that. So let's let's do our updates. If we have time for a goal, we might come back. No. <laughs> Would you leave time for a, just a general comment? Sure. From the rookies' corner on <laughs> right. our funding process last time. Okay. Sure. So we have quick updates. Uh, obviously, the city commission approved our trust funds. It was on its consent agenda, did not get pulled, which is lucky. I came to the meeting in case it got pulled. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. I was going to, I was, I had my comments prepared and I was like, it's going to go. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't comment stay, on anything. Don't stir it. Don't stir it up. So uh, that happened. And, uh, well, so maybe it's a, this is a comment about that. If you, okay. You want to comment yeah. on that? Yeah. So obviously my first funding process, kind of the whole year and, um, and I got surprised late. I mean, I, I never know when you have one vote and you don't have them all, what's going to happen. I got surprised late um, on, uh, uh, I'll, I'll call it the, uh, the project at East Heights School, that it went from wherever it was, and I don't know collectively where everybody had it, it, it went from that to zero. And then after the meeting, of course, I'm always frustrated I learn, you know, if you'd have just done this or that. Um, uh, if, if you recall, Tony mentioned that if we'd have done funding at any level, it would have helped his application. Maybe I should have, but I didn't, I didn't know that. And even though I know we're in the, uh, the business of doing the best projects and doing all we can, um, we're also, I think, in the business of keeping as many balls floating around as we can in, in honor of housing, affordable housing. So um, it had kind of happened to me. Um, I would have I raised uh, more trouble over funding that project at some level had I known that it had an implication. I will say this, <clears throat> one of my frustrations in uh, public service, which this is, is that sometimes you don't know all the you don't know all the information until it's too late and so i'll give the applicant a little bit of that responsibility um but anyway i was i was disappointed in me for not figuring that out and saying something um anyways anybody care to comment on that i i, I i'm not familiar enough with light tech projects to know how we help or how we don't Anyway, any advice I could get from anybody here, I would accept. This is Sarah Waters. I'll, I'll, I'll make a comment because I know I'm one of the people that put out there to fund that at zero. I think that's false to the applicant. And that was not a first time applicant. And he, had an yeah. and he had an opportunity to share additional details during the conversation um, that didn't get shared. And, I, and again, get it because we're all on a time crunch. I also think that, um, there were some things talked about that that money was not funding or was funding something or wasn't. And then the project got pulled completely. So I'm not sure that there's a full picture of anything on this board at times, Mark. 
and it, it okay. doesn't feel great sometimes walking away. Get, get ready for we, not knowing it, everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. It might not be comfortable be to you uh, and not be comfortable to me for sure. So I didn't, I, I struggled with that too after that conversation that happened um, yeah. with Tony, but I, I do think that, that that application needed more structure, needed more detail, needed more information in it to be thorough. Um, because it was great, and I hope we see it again. Um, so that, that's just my initial thoughts. I, I think it, I, this, that's why this work is so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if there's other thoughts on it, but. Thanks. All right. Yeah. Okay. We're going to move on to AHAB member term updates. Oh, goodness. Okay. Uh, Erica um, rolls off at the end of this month. Dana rolls off at the end of this month, and Shannon rolls off at the end of this month. So I'm assuming that those three, I think those three organizations have permanent seats. Do we know? Who's the first one? Well, first, Erica, first, thank you for your service, because you guys have been just incredible and have bring such a wealth of knowledge to this group. Uh, and I'm sad to see y'all go. At once. At once, especially. <laughs> um, we lose a wealth. We lose a wealth of information. So hopefully you guys have good, uh, good people lined up to replace you. You know, we got Nicholas over here. <laughs> He's been a good replacement. <laughs> I mean the vice chair. Vice chair. So, uh, you guys each want an opportunity to say anything, say something? Sure. This is Shannon Alry with the Housing Authority. So um, uh, we will, uh, our board has determined that our next servant, public servant, will be Galal Obeid. I'm, please let us know what the process is uh, to get you the information. Um, uh, I will say he's fantastic and and well-versed I also would just like to say it's been an honor to serve on this board um, I did not get to participate in the last funding round and the matrix because we had an application um, but I will say that I heard many members talking about AMI <laughs> right and how long it was affordable and as I sat there and listened to that process, I, I, I will just say that those of you who this is not your day-to-day -day job, you have absorbed what affordable housing really is and what the key issues are. And so I leave with all the confidence in the work of this board and just really appreciate those of you who this is not your job with the effort that you've put into learning this area because uh, you do a great job and I have no concerns uh, stepping off um, because, I mean, we have done some amazing things. I think sometimes uh, we focus more on this, you know, sort of things that we may not have gotten done or the things that, you know, are sort of the ugly watching the sausage get made um, kind of process, but we've done amazing things. Um, not only are we the only place in Kansas who has an affordable housing trust, 
we're probably the only one in the whole region. Um, and so we are doing some amazing things to accomplish affordable housing for the people of our community. And we should never lose sight of the fact that we are on the cutting edge of these issues. Um, and, and you guys just do a, a great job really trying to parse out a really difficult area. I'm going to throw this to Dana. Yeah, thank you, Shannon. I'll echo much of what you just said there. Um, first, it's been an honor to be on this um, advisory panel for a, a long time. I think I had brown hair when I started. <laughs> um, I, I also want to uh, echo that the conversation has changed from when we first started. Um, I, I am here as a representative of those we serve here at Family Promise of Lawrence. Um, so my opinions, sometimes I had to keep them quiet because I had to represent the families we serve here in Lawrence. Um, but things that are, are so critical, like AMI and such, are now commonly discussed and, and at a lens in which uh, most people on this board look at. And that's a huge that's a huge frame shift that has happened here over the course of this decade, and I am so grateful. Um, I'm, I'm grateful that that those of us who do this work on a daily basis aren't the only advocates for those who are at the 30 percent or less AMI. So thank you very much for that. Um, housing is the solution for homelessness. In, end of story. So I would love for Family Promise to be out of a job. So let's keep up this good work, move the needle, move it tremendously, not just the 25 units for rehab in the, you know, let's move this needle. Our community can do this. And those who are in need are so worth every ounce of this investment. So thank you guys. Thank you, Dana, Erica. <laughs> um, so I, um, so our organization is still working through what the next um, representative will be, who the next representative will be, and I had some questions for Leah about what that looks like. Um, so I just will say that if if this is my last meeting, I too have really enjoyed my time on this board. Board, I walked in as a brand new housing director brand new housing builder, brand new housing um, provider. Um, and so I learned a lot alongside the board members and I just absolutely echo what Shannon and Dana said that hearing community members have these conversations about housing and the importance of housing and how long it should be affordable and what it should look like um, is just a point that I didn't know that we would ever get to. Um, so it's really exciting, and I'm excited to see where this board continues to go. So um, I've really appreciated my time, and if this is my last meeting, then um, thank you. I've learned so much from each one of you as well, and I really appreciate that. Thank you, Erica. Thank you, all three of you, for the incredible service. All right. Can I ask a point oh, of clarification? Yeah, just only because sure. with these three, potentially all three rolling off and two empty seats, is are we likely to have a full board by February? Or can we really work to try to do that? 
Will we make quorum? Is we'll it? have replacements. For yeah, those yeah. no, but they have to be approved too, right? Yeah, the I mayor has to approve everybody. So again, I just, uh, hopefully that can happen. Timing is Timing is everything. And not having a January meeting, I'm sure is gonna help. Um, so yeah. these three and two more, we have two more spots? We have two open spots right now. Do we have any suspects? Do you know something we don't know? <laughs> um, you know a lot we don't know. This is, this is Leah Roslin. Uh, we do have a community at large seat open as well as the home builder rep a seat open. Does LHDA and, have somebody in mind for that? Um, I, I have not been provided that information. Um, so the mayor makes all the appointments. I know there have been applications for those seats, um, but ultimately it's a mayoral appointment and commission approval. All right, so I'm gonna be calling uh, probably the mayor or reaching out to the mayor about the utility payment plan. So maybe I will ask him about the f five appointments that we need to have done out of what, 13 seats? So I'll, I'll try to make it a point to does make sure Dana, he understands the urgency at least. Was Dana, was there, did Dana mention that there was someone in her group? She that, didn't mention a name. No, sim similar to, I think that was Shannon who mentioned the name, similar to what Erica said with Habitat, we, we have been waiting the process. I've had conversations with our board and staff, but we do not have a name right now, nor do we know the process to fill the seat. Well, okay. All right. I'm going to keep us moving. We got 10 minutes. I mean, as usual, we're running short on time. Safe and affordable housing community health plan update. It's a quick update. This is Leah Rosen. So um, just a very brief update that the next iteration of the community health plan is underway. Safe and affordable housing is, again, another component of that plan. And um, the moving forward, the goals and strategies for the community health plan will align with the place for everyone um, plan, community plan. So that's just a very brief update and I'm happy to give more information at the AHAP's request in the future. But um, okay. that's a, another community plan that will help to leverage our goals. All right, any questions? Okay. Committee updates, land development code update. Phil, your spotlight on that. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, there was a steering committee meeting uh, last Thursday. Um, the first two modules are out in draft form. Uh, Clarion, who is the contractor, is anticipating having module three done sometime around the middle of January or so. I wouldn't want to be held to that, but something on that order. Uh, you know, I think the important thing, first important takeaway is that module three uh, contains the procedures and processes. Module one and two are more about uh, definitions and so forth, uh, but the procedures and processes for permitting and development are in module three, which then of course will feed back to revisions in modules one and two. Uh, just my own personal observations uh, with respect to the overarching goals of the land development committee update, I, I feel pretty uh, 
seems to me pretty clear that uh, the, the result in terms of the code itself, it, the final product, will be far more logically organized. It'll be cleaner. It'll be simpler to read. And perhaps it will make development somewhat less dependent upon specific interpretations of an ambiguous prolex code. Uh, I, I think all those things will happen. Uh, with respect to, to this body and what the community is trying to do on important issues like housing, like sustainability, uh, you know, those sorts of things, it's not real clear to me, and I've sat through all these meetings and I've read the stuff for hours on end, it's still not real clear to me how that translation is going to be made. I mean, what impact this final code is going to have on the community goals of more housing, okay, and, you know, a, a, a renewed emphasis on sustainability, walkability, and all those kind of things. Still, still in my mind, my mind very murky. Uh, specifics, if you will. Uh, oh, if you, ha if you all have not done the general survey that Clarion has out, please do it. I mean, if you haven't done it, please do it. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's important that, that, that you gather a variety of community perspectives, in, including informed ones from, from people like you all. Uh, specific things that, that might be of some note, uh, owner occupancy requirement is still attached to uh, accessory dwelling units. Uh, my conversations with the people clearing this, they're not really wild about that idea. I'm not, for the life of me, I'm still not sure what their rationale is and why they're so skeptical of that notion. But it is still in there at this point. Uh, density bonus things. Make, make, make sure we know what you just said. <laughs> the, the additional dwelling unit must be what? The accessory dwelling unit, as, it, as it's in there right now, it's permitted across almost all base zoning districts, but it has attached to it an owner occupancy requirement. Of the main dwelling? Uh, of one of the two. Ah. An owner occupancy oh. requirement for one of the two. But as I said, Clarion is not based on my conversations with them, it's not wild at all about that idea. Well, yeah, it's impossible to enforce. Okay. Well, I think the city needs to look at the notion of affidavits and enforcement, not only with respect to ADUs, but more importantly with respect to short-term rentals, long-term rentals, code enforcement. Affidavits can be a powerful tool if used appropriately. Oh, my God. Uh, in, in my opinion. Uh, so the density bonus, which, you know, approach is, is being written in very definitely in, in some form, though the details are still murky, in some form or another, uh, trying to incentivize new development to provide not only affordable housing, but what, what they are calling in an ambiguous sense, local employee residence units. No, no definitions at all attached to that notion, but, but I'm very excited about that possibility and, and, and what it might lead to ultimately. Uh, 
I've spent the weekend looking at the parking requirements in uh, module two again. Uh, Bless you, Phil. Fascinating. <laughs> fascinating. And I just talked to Jeff as I walked in, and, and uh, he told me a little bit something different after I spent all weekend on it. Oh, uh, well, yeah. That there are, understand uh, it. That the latest word is that there are uh, no parking minimums. Uh, you know, there is clearly no differentiation in the discussions between infill and new development, but there will only be parking maximums, no parking minimums. I'm sure I'm overstating the intricacies of that, but, but that is where it is right now. Uh, I encourage you all to weigh in on that notion. It has profound, in my opinion, has profound implications for the redevelopment in residential districts in established neighborhoods. Uh, so I encourage you all to think about it and weigh in on it. I have my own opinion. Uh, it is also important, because I even heard these conversations the other day, it's important to recognize that Clarion's scope of work has absolutely nothing to do with the building codes. It is the land development code, it is not the building code. Okay? Now I could go on for 10 hours, but that'll probably be enough. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Phil, for the report and for being so on top of it we we appreciate it we're so lost just confusing myself more and more <laughs> all right i'm going to move us on a, 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 the next committee a place for everyone plan affordable housing work group leah this is leah roseland just a reminder to the ahab that a place for everyone is a community plan um, with the goal of ending chronic homelessness and set strategies and for our community um, that include affordable housing. There's an affordable housing work group as a component of that that the AHAB has had a presentation on in the past. I might recommend that that gets put back on the agenda and we take a closer look at it. So the, um, a couple updates. The final plan is going to the City and County Commission in January um, for review and approval and I will send out the details to the AHAB if there's interest in attending that meeting. Um, we are, uh, have moved into um, to um, enacting the strategies, moving towards those strategies, and there are two in the affordable housing work group area that really will be the purview of the AHAB, and so those are the two that I would recommend that the AHAB really um, take a closer look at. Um, one is around diversified funding streams for the trust fund so that we are bringing in more funds and able to do more for the community other than the um, current sales tax that we have. And the other one is aligning the goals in terms of targets for AMI, accessibility and number of bedrooms that the community plan um, outlines with the trust fund um, prioritization. So that's a very high level overview. Um, and I guess in brief, my recommendation would be for the AHAB to um, start taking a closer look at that in the future. Okay. Thank you, Leah. Um, a place for everyone plan equity work group, Christina and or Erica. So, like I mentioned before, we um, are in the very early planning stages, or very early research stages, trying to bring the group together, figuring out who all needs to be part of the group 
part of the work group, and then um, really taking some high-level look at um, just some different housing practices um, that we can bring to this board. Okay. Anything yes, else? Uh, and just as Erica said, I know we are at time, I'll be brief. Um, but there, their November 16th meeting was canceled. However, in that group, there are two subgroups that have been created. One is a lived experience. The other, I feel like Erica spoke on, is called the Big Project or Restorative Housing mm -hmm. is the name of that group. Um, so just an update about the lived experience. Um, the lived experience, experience excuse me, compensation plan, um, compensation policy would be considered at um, the city level and they'll be influenced by the county um, based on the work that is created within this group these subgroups. Um, so September 13th, the agenda item report found that Douglas County, Kansas site, um, I'm sorry, found on the Douglas County site, I'm reading my notes, sorry, um, that's on the website rather, um, the assistant county administrator recommended to approve the Douglas County lived experience compensation policy and that was something that was ongoing and, and kind of under further review but that has been authorized as a resolution to establish a cash box um, that sits at the county administrator's office. So that means that people with lived experiences, and there's a list of eligible boards and what that looks like and committees that would be included in this uh, compensation policy for people with lived experience to participate on these boards. So I would, um, I would also recommend folks from this board look at the Douglas County Kansas Civic Web .net to find out what that entails and um, those compensation procedures. Um, I don't feel like the, this board, the AHAB, would, would be able to participate, but that's not saying that it would never, um, because there's other subcommittees and groups of people who are um, just sitting watching this YouTube, for example, could contribute to if, if that seems to be where they want to put their service. Cool. Thank you. All right. Welcome. That wraps up our committee updates. Uh, other new business or announcements? Can I make one ask? Sure. Uh, it, my, my perception on this land development code business is that, you know, we, we put together one set of draft recommendations, which I believe were, were given some, some weight. If, if at all possible, I sure would like to see over the next two or three months that the subcommittee of AHAB or the full body could, could come together with a, a second piece I mean, it's one thing for me to yammer on, you know, at those steering committee meetings, but if, if you have something out on paper that everybody agrees to, then I, I think it might have a little bit more weight in, in, the, in the final construction uh, of, so if, if at all possible, that, that sure would be nice. Yeah, so I think what that looks like to me is you're our expert on this thing, on this topic, this subject. You would come with some recommendations and then our board could look at it while you're here and have a, you don't, you're not I thinking mean, my that. My recommendations aren't gonna be, I don't think completely aligned. I mean, I don't Well, that's why they come to okay. this board to get aligned tell us what you before think they go back. We'll, tell us what you think and we'll fight with you. Okay, yeah, okay. Exactly, yeah. that's what. Okay, I'm all right with that. Mark said it weren't uh -huh. earlier. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm fine with that. Yeah. yeah. Bring us something to react to. Okay. And then we'll react and get you aligned. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> get you aligned. Right. aligned. That's, that's good. And that's then we good. can make a recommendation. Okay. Okay. Mr. Chair. Yeah. 
Mr. Chair, yeah. uh, we do have a, a work group associated with the Land Development Code that hasn't met for a little while, but was pretty productive. Yeah. Um, and I was on that and some others there too. Um, if that's an appropriate uh, conversation for that work group, I think we could be bringing back to the full AHAB something that was really worth discussing. I'd like right. to do that. No, yeah, great for the whole work group to bring that. Yeah. Yep. So this is Lee Roseland, if I could just, so yes, I sent out a doodle poll for that work group to find a time to meet again, and only Phil responded, <laughs> and so I, I wasn't sure if there was interest in continuing that or not, but if there is interest, then I will send out that doodle poll again, and we can get another meeting convened. Yeah. All right. Thank you. I don't remember seeing it. Okay. So with that, I'm going to let you read the calendar, and you're on your own. And we're adjourned until February. Right. Until February. Until February. Right. We started four minutes late. We ended four minutes late. All right. So. <laughs> All right. All right. Happy New Year. Thank you, everybody. Ooh.